Hey everybody, this is Rob from DC Primetime and the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, and I'm here to tell you about a couple friends of ours, and that's the fine folks over at BoardGameBento.com. Now, if you're not familiar with who they are, they offer a great loot box experience for you monthly, and what they do is each month, Board Game Bento comes with a theme surprise selection of tabletop games and accessories. The best part, each box comes with at least $80 worth of games, and it's mailed right to your door. Take advantage of a special offer that we're putting on right now for from the fine folks at Next Level and Board Game Bento by using the offer code Next Level, all one word, at checkout over at BoardGameBento.com. There's never been a better time to start building your board game collection. Welcome, Primers, into this, our Flash Volume 3 annual, or Annual Volume 3, whichever way you want to arrange it. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. This is going to be a tough one. We're shooting from the hip as we have the past two annuals, uh, and that may hurt us in the end when it comes to this particular annual, uh, and it will give us a nice heads up as to whether or not we will be able to do it for the Arrow annual in two weeks <laughs> as well, because... Uh, the Arrow Annual is going to be just as difficult as this one, especially when it comes to shooting from the hip. But from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods from uh, also the Next Level Network. I couldn't remember where we were from for a second. <laughs> it's all good. I had an interesting week. Um, <laughs> I am Rob Martin. Um, and I want to bring up two things first before we get into the annual and everything else. There are two big things that kind of happened. Well, three if you count one other one. Uh, but there are two big things that happened in the world of pop culture. Uh, we do divert from DC uh, occasionally, and one of the things I definitely want to divert for um, Kingdom is... Hearts is coming out in 2018. Thank God. No, oh, oh, well, that, that's, a, that's a big one. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. Um, no, uh, we, the pop culture industry, actually suffered a, a pretty big loss uh, over the course of the weekend in that uh, horror legend George Romero passed away. Yeah, and uh, the same day, uh, Martin, Martin Landau. Landau. Martin Landau, yeah. yeah. Two two really big ones, but Romero is a huge one for me. Romero is a, a definite huge one for me as well. I mean, I'm I'm a huge horror fan. I'm a hu- even bigger zombie person. So, um, yeah, he's the the Godfather of what we view as the modern day zombies. I'm actually where I record. I'm sitting underneath a uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, it's the remake poster, but uh, I have a little a good friend of mine that passed away. Uh, um, got the placard signed by uh, Tom Savini, um, but Tom obviously worked on the original Night of the Living Dead, though, too. 
um, which was pretty damn cool. Or not the original, but he worked on, I believe, the second film. Yeah, and I am actually sitting under a movie poster of a zombie movie that I actually was a part of the production of. Uh, I won't tell you the name of it because I don't want you to look it up because it was horrible. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was a zombie movie, and if it wasn't for George Romero, we would have never made this film. So, um, so uh, obviously, respect goes out to um, George and his family, and may he rest in peace. Yeah, uh, I really I'm looking forward to because I know they were um, finishing up a film. Uh, I think him and his son, his son was directing it, but George was, uh, co-wrote it with him. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, like I said, that'll be his, uh, his last opus, but it was another zombie film. So, yes. Uh, the other thing in the world of pop culture, and we're going to get some shit for this, um, because I know at least one of our listeners who is hugely against this, uh, whereas I, on the other hand, am completely for it. Uh, Rob and I, although Rob, not you as much because you haven't watched it in a couple seasons, but I've been completely caught up. Uh, the 13th Doctor has been announced and it's a female. We have for the first time in the history of the show, a, uh, a female doctor in Doctor Who, which is pretty historic. It's pretty groundbreaking for the show considering there's been 12, 13 if you count the War Doctor. Previous iterations, all male. This is the first time they're breaking from the format, uh, and they're changing things up. And I know I am all for it. Uh, I am too. Uh, I don't remember her name offhand. I know she was from Broadchurch and Julie. With, uh... Um, I should know this because <laughs> it's um, okay. Thirteenth uh, Doctor on Google, and we <laughs> will find that it is Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker. Yes, but I know also she from, does Broad from Broad Church. Yes. Yeah, and um, she was, uh, I think, in Attack the Block with... Uh, Nick Frost. Uh, yeah, Nick yes. Frost, and um, what's his name from Star Wars? Dear God. Oh, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yes. um, but, My brain's just not working. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's... I'm. It's the showrunner of Broad Church, though, that's going to be taking over for... Um, for Stephen Moffat. Moffat. Yeah, so. so it makes sense that he brings in somebody that he knows. Um, and look... Let's be real. I mean, it's – I know there are people against it. I, there's one listener in particular who's completely against it. I'm not going to mention a name because I don't want to call this person out. Um, I don't even know, Rob, if you know who it is. Nope. Okay. All right. Um, but uh, this person is completely against the fact that the doctor is a woman as well as the um, a, a good portion of the internet that we knew was going to be in a huge uproar if they ever announced a female as the doctor. Um, look. There's no rule that says the doctor can't be female. All it says is that when the doctor regenerates, they take on a new form. Nothing that says it can't be female. We're living and, and let's be realistic. Let's look at the history of Doctor Who. Viewership and fandom for Doctor Who has flatlined. I mean, it's, it's not flatlined as in dead. It's plateaued. That's, that's a better word for it. When that happens, you need to make a change. You need to change the format. Let's look at the history of Doctor Who. Going back, there's been three major changes. One of the first ones was the first regeneration of the Doctor. Nobody ever expected that. And look, because of that, the show has lasted over 50 years. So it's it, it's a woman. Deal with it. Get over it. That's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I, like I said, no uh, insult to anybody who's against it and offended by it. But why? Why are you offended by it? Because it's a woman like it, there's no rule in the rule book. There's no rule book for Doctor Who. So there's no rule that says it has to be a male. Well, the rule, the rule book is written by the people that are writing the show. And they said, hey, this is, can happen. Then, no. 
If you're cool with it, cool. Watch it. If you're unsure about it, watch it. Give it a shot. If you don't like what they're doing, don't watch. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I enjoyed Capaldi, but I did not like the last couple companions. I haven't been a fan of the show really since shortly after, well, actually since after Tenet. Um, and it's been wibbly wobbly for me and I'm, I'm not really been enjoying it quite as much, but hey, you know, uh, like I said, I, 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 this will make me play catch up. I will binge watch the last two seasons I missed and uh, get back to it and see what I think. I so. can tell you the last season of Doctor Who with Capaldi was actually probably one of the best. Yeah, that's what a lot of people have been telling me. It said, hey, uh, you'll probably really enjoy the last season. Yeah. I heard you can skip the one before that, but I heard this, the one with Bill, Bill is the companion, right? Yes. That, okay. I heard that season I will really enjoy. So. Which I don't even know if she's going to be continuing with the way the season ended. So, um. Uh, no, no. They, a new companion too. No. Oh, they okay. cleaned the slate. Good. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I'm all for it. If you're not, um, stop watching. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay. And like I said, again, this is no dig at anybody where it's just kind of like, Hey, you know what? People get in their uproar. Just calm down. Remember, it's only entertainment and. Then that's, uh, that transitions really nicely into what we're about to do now, which was critique the living crap out of the flash. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so just like our previous annuals, what we are going to do is we are going to give you a rundown of some of our favorites and least favorite moments, episodes, and characters of the show. We're going to rate the big bad as a whole, and then we are going to rate the season as a whole. Uh, this is going to be tough because we were going over as we were prepping uh, what some of our favorites and least favorites is. And this season was very, very strong. So it's very tough to, um, uh, to figure this out, to pinpoint this. Cause it's, uh, I'm still trying to, to figure out what some of my favorite and least favorite episodes are. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be shooting from the hip as we go. So it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> as you're sucking on a vape. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's get started with, um, let's start with characters, because I think we're pretty well decided on what those are. Um, favorite moments and some of our, and episodes are still a little uh, up in the air, but let's start with some of our characters and let's start with, uh, let's start with least favorite character from the season. We've, uh, we saw a couple new characters join the fray this year, obviously, uh, as well as the old favorites, Cisco, um, uh, Caitlin, Barry, uh, we saw a new iteration of Tom Cavanaugh's character, so we got HR rather than, um, uh, than Harry. Harry Wells. Uh, we saw, and I should know the, um, her name, um, the scientist, uh, Tracy, Tracy Brand, Dr. Tracy Brand come into the fray. Uh, Gypsy became a big part of the season too. Yes, uh, Savitar became a, uh, a part of the, uh, the season as well. Um, obviously Iris, we have, uh, snart from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too much, but we did get a little bit more. We had Wally West. We had Jesse Quick. Uh, so we definitely had our choice of characters to choose from as far as favorites and least favorites. Um, going with worst, going with least favorite character. Uh, I think this is one when we were discussing, we were both pretty much in agreement with. Yes, and bear in mind, there's a caveat on this one. Yes, there uh, there is. I almost said there's a Kavanaugh on this one, but that's <laughs> not the case. Um, uh, but no, yes, there is a caveat. Um, and a drum roll, but hey, you know, we, we both agree on this one. So least favorite character, hands down, without a question this season, 
Dr. Alchemy. Dr. Alchemy. Uh, yep. Um, because, um, first off, we didn't get to see a lot of Dr. Alchemy. Um, and I really thought he, when we did get to see him, he was a little underutilized. And very predictable and who was under the mask. Yes, ex- so. extremely predictable as to who was under the mask. We were actually hoping that it would be something completely different and it would be a twist that we would not see coming. But when it actually happened and the reveal happened, we were like, oh, all right. Um, we kind of knew that was – we kind of had a feeling that's what it was. So, And I even remember that week when that was unveiled. We were like, eh. yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this, this season's got to get better. <laughs> so – um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, that, that I think is very much warranted. Now, bear in mind the person that's actually under the mask, cause he's not my favorite character this season, but I don't know if it's Ben's. Um, I do like Julian. Well, let's, fan. let's go into that because that is the caveat for me is that my least favorite character is also my favorite character. Uh, in that I definitely grew to like Julian. I think Julian was a extremely critical, crucial, and, um, uh, strong new element to the team. I was very happy when he became a part of the team and Barry and him put their differences aside. And, uh, especially when the time came that Barry, that, you know, Julian found out who Barry was. And, um, I think he's become a very key part to the entire group. And it was a toss up because, um, the past two seasons that we've had the flash, my favorite character has been Kavanaugh. Uh, you know, whether it was, um, uh, you know, Dr. Wells or, you know, it was, uh, Harry from Earth 2. Uh, HR is also very close. He's at the top of, he's towards the top of my list. Uh, but Julian just edges him out a little bit. Fair enough. So, uh, yeah, for me, my favorite character of this season is HR. <laughs> so, okay. Shock. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like I said, when I was introduced to that character, uh, like I, you guys probably all remember, I, I, you know, Ben was not a fan of when HR first came into the mix because we loved Harry so much by the end of the season. So, uh, so uh, speaking of season two, that is. And for Harry to come in, or not Harry, but HR to come in, then you're kind of like, well, how is he going to replace this guy? And I love that the first couple episodes you're watching him, like, okay, they're shooting this specifically to make him seem like he's got something major to hide. He was writing a book. I love the fact that they did that to everybody. That was such a great little thing. But I love that he wasn't the scientist. He was a ideas man, and that was it. But he was something very special about this season. I love that he was just a nobody and a nothing. And that's all he was. And it shows, and it kind of mirrors back to where we were in the beginning of season one. You know, Cisco and Caitlin were just people that worked at Star Labs. And we had somebody like that again that you could see through their lens, but in a very altered lens because we're we're walking this all through and watching it through the Earth-19 lens. Uh, I I'd always kind of chuckled a little bit whenever he came into the room carrying like 40 coffees and, you know, would spin his drumsticks and all these little moments like that. But I love some of the just fun, goofy moments they did with him later uh, where we're, when we get to some of our favorite episodes, uh, the Once in Future Flash when we cut to see what he's doing in the future after Team Flash disbands. And it's him, you know, making it as an author uh, in, in, you know, Earth One and doing his book reading and seeing somewhat of a, you know, Indiana Jones Last Crusade opener. <laughs> um, you know, texting all the girls in the audience, and which was just incredibly amusing. And then seeing what he went through with Tracy and then ultimately the end of the season 
when uh, he sacrifices himself to save Iris. I, it was such a great character arc. I was really sad to see him go. And I was more crushed that he died, not Iris. And I think if Iris died, I would not have been as sad. I was right there with you uh, as far as that happens. And I know we talked about that during that episode, that I was more upset um, over the fact that uh, it was, it was, it was HR that, that died. And I think, um, I think there were multiple things that kind of led to it. Uh, first off, you know, we had said that, uh, we were under the impression for the longest time it was going to be Iris. So we were kind of almost desensitized to the idea if it was Iris in the end. Uh, and HR became, was a bit of a shock that it was, even though we, I think it was you who kind of predicted it the week before. Uh, but still, it was it's so close proximity to the event that actually happened that um, it became a shock. And he definitely had a hero's uh, out. And, you know, he had a hero's death. And again, that's one of the reasons why he's he is towards the top of my list. It, it was it was a tough choice. Uh, actually, like I said, Julian. Julian was my runner up for this season. And if not, it was going to be Cisco again. Cisco took my I think my crown last season. But uh, Cisco, we I think we saw uh some of the most character growth and change through this season alone. And uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, his character again this season because he continues to be one of the best parts of the show uh, is Carlos Valdez. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially with everything that happened after Flashpoint with the loss of his brother. Yeah, with uh, the loss of Dante and the mistrust between him and Barry uh, leading through Invasion. Uh, and then seeing a very different version of, you know, seeing their friendship grow even more so. And then again, when we get to Once in the Future Flash, where we see where he is at without Barry um, and how much they care about each other. But, you know, even when we get to that goodbye moment at the end of the season, um, the moment with Cisco was one of the biggest. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we've covered our favorite and least favorite characters. Uh, let's talk about. Oh, God. This is the toughest part. Um, let's talk about moments. Um, uh, least favorite. Let's talk about one of our least favorite moments and uh, from the show. Um, we've kind of already mentioned mine. Uh, yeah, going the through unveil, the, the unveiling. I would assume of alchemy. The unveiling of alchemy. Yeah. Uh, again, it was very lackluster. It was completely predictable, and it was something that we were kind of hoping that the show would avoid at this point going into a third season, like, you know, throw a little twist at it and stop making things so predictable. Uh, they did kind of um, redeem themselves in the character of Julian that we got afterwards. Uh, but again, I mean, the, the character of Alchemy was completely underutilized. And when the reveal finally came, it was completely predictable. So that, to me, is probably one of my least favorite moments of this of this season. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. And I, I totally respect and understand that one. Um, you know, for me, I, I, my least favorite part of this season was the way they kind of treated Iris for the last half of the season. She was a plot point, not a character. Uh, that bothered me quite a bit until she kind of got her justification at the end. Uh, when we saw her as the one that was the hero in the end of it all. Um, but it almost felt a little too little too late. And it was a shame to see her, you know, be a strong force in the beginning, beginning of the season. And then kind of lost by uh i think it i want to say it was after the christmas episode so when the show came back around episode 10 is again when they made her kind of the plot point of it all um you know i really hate to say that but i i think that was one thing i think the show keeps making a mistake 
Uh, they give her a lot of chance to grow as a character. I think we got a lot of good moments with her this season. I think the strongest she's had yet, and I really love Candace Patton. Um, but I think they, they made that mistake again with that plot where she became the plot point of how do we save Iris instead of really letting Iris grow. So, yeah. Um, some of our favorite moments from the show. This is, um, this is kind of tough. Uh, because I haven't put a lot of thought into this and because there are definitely a lot of moments, uh, from the show. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to you first. Uh, Absolutely. I, I don't, I have, I have two right off the top of my head. Uh, okay. Now for me, for favorite moments of the season, the two that stick out to me, there was one in the finale and it's a small moment, but it's that second where we get to see Jay Garrick, Wally West and Barry it all speeding through. Uh, and all running together, seeing oh. three Flash characters all ripping through the city at the same time. That's a good one. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it was the only thing that could have made that better if Jesse Quick was there, too, when we had four speedsters taking on Savitar. Yeah. But the moment that you see that, like, you just get chills. Like, it was something really just outstanding and amazing about that moment. Uh, the other one, oddly enough, also a fight scene. But that goes to Duet, uh, where we see Martian Manhunter, Wally West... And, you know, Vibe all teaming up and, you know, taking on the villain of the week. But it was the first time we got to see Cisco kind of like using combat heavily, like saving people by opening up portals, d- dumping them out other places. Like the, just the random team up uh, team ups during that fight were so much fun. And I loved every second of it. And they, they did some really just fun, amazing things uh, throughout the like the fighting this year. The fighting just just really just went through the, you know, the pinnacle I think that this show has ever had. And then I'd again, be remiss if I didn't bring up, holy crap, we got gorilla city. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, like it, it's so long ago, it feels like, but when that happened, we're talking about February. It feels, it feels like it's almost a year ago when this happened, but the, you know, seeing gorilla city realized uh, on screen, they did such a beautiful job with uh, such a small budget to make that work. And it, I was blown away. Yeah, I was really, really impressed with how good Attack on Gorilla City and Attack on Central City went. Well, I'm definitely going to share in in some of those moments, and I know that is kind of a little bit of a cop-out to say that. But I do have two others that I want to make mention of that uh, were definitely favorites of mine as well. Um, another fight scene in particular towards the end of the season. Uh, I was actually a big fan of the first time they face off against Killer Frost. Uh, getting to see her actually use her full abilities, like creating the ice paths through the city and, you know, sliding up and down, you know, the sides of the buildings while Barry is chasing her. Uh, that was the first time we actually get to see her powers in full effect. And I was one of those moments where I was like, wow, if Killer Frost is a villain next week, next season, or even if she gets to keep her powers next season, like that's going to be pretty freaking amazing to continue to see things like that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. Um, but going on again in relation to Gorilla City, one, another character that we, we did, re- we get a return of, but not in full effect. Uh, I was also a big fan of the team up of, um, of Barry and Leonard Snart going down into where they were keeping King Shark. Um, again, I love the Jaws reference that we got. We had, you know, the very smoky room, um, you know, or in which, we are the foggy room in which we saw the fin, very Jaws reminiscent. 
Um, and just a team up of that proportion in which Barry could not use his abilities. He had to be a normal person. Uh, he had to be a thief. He had to become a thief like Leonard. I thought that was a really cool aspect of it. Uh, and I loved seeing that. So, um, that, that that's going to be another one of my favorite moments of the season. There's another one I have, like, there's two other ones that I, I, it would be weird if we didn't bring it up. Um, <laughs> actually three come to think of it is, you know, duet as a whole, the fact that we got a musical episode this season, I think was really fantastic. Um, you know, I, I think if this is kind of that double edge that we have to bring up, which was, it was a great episode. Uh, it's also one of my least favorite things about the, uh, the, the season as well, because I feel like there needed to be so much more music. <laughs> there did. Uh, there, I, I would agree with you on that. But the music that we got was really good. And then another least favorite thing is we had to write music because of Duet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We and each had to... Everybody's least favorite thing about the season was us having to sing and that sing music that we wrote for Duet. And I don't yeah. even remember how that happened. I think somebody had made a mention of it. Like one of the listeners had made mention Chat. of it of a post. And then, yeah, and then we talked about it and we were yeah. like, well – Shit, now we got to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, one of the things I got to bring up, though, too, because it was such a tiny, small moment, but it was one of those ones that had me, like, shrieking like a schoolgirl, was all the way back to the first episode of the season, which was Flashpoint, which we haven't even brought up yet. Like, we or we brought up, like, very lightly by just talking about what Cisco's gone through. Um, but there is that moment in Flashpoint where Barry picks up the phone and – or no, that was Earth 2 last season. Damn it. <laughs> This seasons blend together. I oh, you mean when he saw like his mom and dad and, dad and yeah, 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 and that Bruce was, that and was season two. Damn yeah, it. that was ah. well, that was Welcome to Earth too last season. That was, yeah, that was. Um, well, I I will invasion, say because we didn't bring it up, but invasion because we got the whole just that was actually what I was just going <laughs> to mention when you said you squealed like a schoolgirl. Uh, that was my squeal moment of the season was seeing the Hall of Justice. Um, which it's funny enough too. um, uh, my friend Brittany, um, has traveled to Cincinnati and apparently there is a museum, uh, cause she posted the picture on Instagram. There's a museum in Cincinnati that looks like the hall of justice. Uh, and when she posted it, she was like visiting the museum with my nephew, with, with my cousin. I'm like, you mean the hall of justice? Uh, cause that's exactly what it looked like. So it's pretty cool well, that there's actually a I building out there that looks like it. I do believe that actually is what it's modeled after. Ah. Um, I think they took a picture of, I believe, the the building in Cincinnati and uh, added and made some changes uh, digitally to make it look like the Hall of Justice. That's pretty cool. Go back to when we actually talk about Invasion, because I think we actually bring it up there. So uh, I don't feel like looking that up again. So you guys can just go back a couple episodes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, a couple so. episodes as in like uh, 15 weeks ago. Yes, but hey, you know what? We recorded that episode a couple days after November 29th, so early December. Yeah. So yeah, so pretty easy to track down. But so. Invasion is another one that I just – I want to go back and rewatch those episodes because that was another one. And knowing what we're going to be getting next season uh, as far as like we're going to be getting a full four-episode crossover next season, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, close to a theatrical-length film at that point. What, what we consider now a theatrical length. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I think there were so many great little things that they did this season. And like I said, you know, we really skipped over like, you know, like the the chaff of this season as far as things we didn't like. Because, I mean, you know, the show had its ups and downs. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, the show always does. But 
all these shows on, you know, the Arrowverse all have their ups and downs. I mean, like I said, we, we talked about that in Supergirl. We'll talk about that in Arrow. And we talked about that in Legends. Um, but I mean, as a whole, you know, there's so many amazing moments that outweigh the small nitpicks. So. Yeah, yeah. But again, uh, yeah, there's a lot. Um, uh, so many things that happen in this episode, in this season. But, uh, you know, now I think this is the hardest part for me. Um, least favorite and favorite episodes of the season. Mm. Yes. Uh, because I still don't know. I, well, which one do you want to start with? You want to start with least? Let's start with least. Um, okay. Cause I think we're both on the same page as far as, uh, relatively close. Cause I know you've mentioned one or two that I'm, I was not a, a huge fan of, or at least they would fall towards the bottom of my list. Um, so pretty much whatever one you, there was two that you mentioned, whatever one you mentioned, I'm going to mention the other one. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> so for me, uh, this way, like, if I talk for a moment, you can start thinking about your favorite. So, um, my least favorite is episode number three, which was Magenta. Um, now, it's not that the episode was horrible. I think we gave it a serviceable hero rating when we did it, and we may even have given it a little higher back then. Um, but as time has passed, uh, looking back at the season as a whole, this was one of those ones that kind of sticks out a little bit more so now. Now, there was a really amazing moment in this episode when we saw Jesse Quick suit up for the first time, which was such a great moment. Um, but I was a little scared about the season where we're diving in. Flashpoint was a lot shorter than everybody anticipated, but we got such a great, strong, emotional fallout from Flashpoint in episode two, which was titled Paradox. Um, when the season began, that as soon as we already got into a villain of the week, and we're still dealing with some of the... You know, the fallout obviously continues up until Invasion uh, for Barry and Team Flash. But Magenta, something about that episode was like, you know, it, it didn't feel quite right. It felt like they rushed into the normal MO of the show a little too fast after something like uh, the fallout of Flashpoint. I wish we would have seen uh, the events of Paradox stretch a little bit more into episode three. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, things that do, but... Um, it became such a hard focal point at the end of episode two when, you know, HR shows up or uh, Harry shows up and uh, shows up with Jesse where you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be exciting. And we get to deal with a lot of them, which was great. But the Magenta character as a whole was meh at best. Yeah. And and that was uh, unfortunately such a big driving force uh, of that episode. So, yeah. Um, I was originally gonna go with Monster for mine, which is, uh, two episodes after Magenta. It's the fifth episode of the season. Uh, but I'm looking at the description and I'm reminding myself of what actually happens. And this was actually a big episode for HR. Um, in which I don't know. I mean, this is w when we actually find out what that HR was, uh, you know, just the think man from his time. Uh, and they actually give him a chance to prove himself by the end of the episode. So I don't know if I can choose that one. Um, as one of my least favorite episodes. Uh, I, I'm looking at the description though. I, I think I can maybe go with Shade, which was the next episode. But uh, that was also a big Wally episode. So I don't, again, this is why it's so tough. Yeah. Like so, I said, Magenta is splitting hairs. Uh, because as much as, like I said, it was a big Harry and Jesse episode. And it, like, and massive for the series as a whole. I mean, it's, it's, like I said, it, these are going to come down to splitting hairs with people because there was so much good content in the season as a whole. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I will still go with monster. I mean, because I wasn't crazy about the whole projected monster throughout the city. You know, the big hologram of, uh, you know, that was being like it was a 15 year old boy who was, you know, uh, being bullied. And it, it was it was very, very, very much a, a villain of the week. It wasn't even a villain of the week. It was a monster of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, splitting hairs when it goes to that. And, you know, we, we didn't get a metahuman or anything like that. So we got which is fine. I mean, uh, not having a metahuman as the villain is actually kind of a little bit of a breath of fresh air for the for the show. Um but I wasn't crazy about the big hologram of it all. I felt it was a little too predictable because we knew there wasn't a huge monster going through the city, uh, a real monster going through the city. So, yeah, I guess I'll stick with monster as my least favorite. Okay. So, again, though, it's it, it's splitting hairs because it was a big HR episode. Um So, uh, I mean, it was also an, it was also the episode that kind of Barry and Julian kind of reconcile a little bit. Um, you know, and we got a big reveal of Caitlin uh, in that episode. So it's, it's really, really tough to choose that as my least, but I can't think of any other ones that I would choose. Yeah. No, I, I totally get you. (laughs) It's quite okay. (laughs) It's tough. Um, as far as favorite episodes go, I, I think we're kind of in agreement. And again, I hate when that happens because it kind of feels like a cop out. Um, but well, I'm it, look- speaks, it speaks to the caliber of the episode, though, too. It does. Um, and if you don't mind me going absolutely along with please, it, please um, do. Uh, uh, you know, looking through at all the different episodes of The Flash that we got, um, uh, favorite episode of the season. And I think it stands out still to this day looking back, um, other than obviously invasion and duet, which were big because of the crossover aspect. Uh, but, um, the once and future flash directed by Tom Cavanaugh. And Absolutely. I, and I think that is a huge part as to why that is one of my favorite episodes of the season is because it was his directing debut for the show. It was something we were highly an, uh, anticipating because we got an, an advanced word about it from, um, oh my god, um, Teddy Sears. Teddy Sears. That's it. I, I don't know, but his name completely blank. But we found out that he was directing this episode before it was ever announced. Uh, before you know, comic book had announced it or anything. Teddy had told us about this, so we had known this about this in advance that this was coming. We were highly anticipating it, and the episode didn't disappoint. Um, you know, because we built this up in our heads about how great we were hoping this was going to be, especially knowing that Barry was going to the future and this was Tom Cavanaugh directing it. Uh, we could have built this up really big in our head to be something that was a big letdown and it wasn't. And I think that is one of the main reasons why this stands out as one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely with you there. I, I mean, seeing what happened to Team Flash uh, several years in the future when we hit 2024, uh, was amazing. Like everybody that, you know, was, you know, a big focal point of this episode, which was the traditional cast. But like when we see the 2024 versions of everybody, um, I was really blown away with how great their departure from their normal versions of the characters were. And especially watching Carlos Valdez in this episode, he was such an amazing highlight of this episode and blew me away. Um, but I mean, like even watching, you know, the fractured version of the team come together and how great was it that we finally saw a new version of the Flash suit? Oh, it's amazing. Like that was one of the coolest parts about it. Like I can't mm-hmm. wait to see if that becomes um, a, if that comes into play next season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would be really excited to see if that maybe makes its appearance because we get that little nod from Mirror Master. I'm like, wow, I haven't seen you wear that in a really long time. 
and you have no idea when he retires. It maybe it's when he comes back out of the Speed Force. We have no idea what season four is going to hold, but uh, I would assume there's a high chance that could be the suit we see uh, Barry Rock next season, especially after some news that we talked this week. Yeah, so. something, uh, some news that we found out that I think. I think we had reported on earlier wasn't going to happen, and then well, now... that was and by the actor that's in that suit too. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think that was a little throwing people off the trail. So, uh, but no, I, I think the ones in future Flash episode though was something really amazing, and it really kind of reminded me of a dark version uh, of uh, the Runaway Dinosaur, a very dark, twisted version of the Runaway Dinosaur, um, and especially with how they pulled together at the end. Like I said, you get that positivity still out of these really dark moments of the show, but um, I really loved everything they did about this episode. I think it was it was one of my favorite episodes of the series, uh, I think, ever at this point. It stands probably within my top five, hands down. Um, but yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I agree with, I agree with that completely. That's, uh, again, uh, I hope we get to see, you know, we saw the return of Kevin Smith as a director this season, uh, when he directed the Killer Frost episode. So, uh, I'm kind of hoping that we get to see Kavanaugh return and take the director's chair again next season. Mm-hmm. So, especially now that, um, HR is gone, which sucks. Um, you know, and we're, we're getting to see Harry back. So I don't know if, if Harry's going to be returning full time or we're going to get another iteration of Kavanaugh. I kind of hope we don't. Um, I kind of, I kind of hope Harry sticks around for a little yeah, while. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, you know, cause while it was fun for the first three seasons getting three different versions of HR, uh, you know, of Harrison Wells, um, let's find one and stick with it at this mm-hmm. point. So. Let's go into rating the big bad and the season as a whole. Uh, as we usually do, we're going, we're going to give this our one of three point rating, sidekick, hero, or legend. Uh, but we're going to expand it a little bit as we have in the past as well. Uh, in which we will be giving it a one through ten rating. One through three being sidekick, four through seven being hero, and eight through ten being legend. Uh, so the big bad, obviously this season, we're going to skip alchemy because we already know if we were judging alchemy, it would be a sidekick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Savitar, obviously the big bad of the season. So on the scale of one to 10, how would you rate Savitar as the big bad? Ooh, uh, man, that's <laughs> a hard question. Uh, you know what? I hate to do this. I'm going to give it a hero and I'm going to go a five. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, if I was rating the suit, the suit gets a legend and a 10 out of 10. Because, <laughs> uh, goddamn, that suit was gorgeous. Um, you know what is, I think what it was ultimately for me with uh, the reason I'm still giving it that score uh, really came to the payoff. Um, the payoff at the end when we got that full discussion of why he is who he is. And it was because you guys just didn't love me enough. Uh, it, it felt a little bit like a cop out. Uh, it felt like we didn't even have a good answer for this either. Um, you know, like I said, the fact that he was a time remit, sure. Okay. No, no, no problem with that. Um, and I loved, and you know what, like I said, it, but ultimately the journey, like when I rate the season, that actually, oddly enough, does not impact my score that much. Um, because the journey of the season of what that character created, you know, he didn't even have to be around because it's just, and now it's an inevitability. It's an you know inevitability that they have to deal with because of that character. The character, you know, you could have had Plunder, who was a know nothing villain in this season, be the person that does this. Uh, you know, it's kind of like um, you know, 
the man who killed Batman, or I think I got Batman on my basement, like a, an animated uh, episode from the animated series, where it was this know nothing person that was the guy that everybody thought killed Batman. He was this nobody character. He was like an accountant or something like that. And all these, you know, villains were like, you're amazing. How did you do the one thing we all couldn't do? It just didn't matter who that person was that set the, those things in motion. It did for the last couple episodes because whatever they tried to do, you know, that character already knew it because of being from the future and being part of them. Yes. But I think the, the reasoning for his existence, I think, was very shoehorned and I wasn't really a big fan of it. And even when we found out about him and saw him play out earlier on, even with such a great, you know, voice actor of uh, Tobin Bell playing the character, um, I was just kind of like another speedster, really. And I, I was feeling that fatigue by the end of it. But that didn't matter because the way that this whole this season was as a whole definitely made up for it. So, yeah, um, as far as my my ranking of Savitar, I'm not going to go legend. Um, I'm going to go hero, though, not as low as you. Um Although I can see a lot of the merits that you, you put towards it, um, you know, as far as the journey and such. Uh, but I mean, as far as the reveal of Savitar, like we were all hoping it was somebody like Ronnie Raymond or somebody like that. Um, and while it was kind of predictable, we did kind of predict that Barry was one of the people that would become, uh, that was Savitar, you know, the future version of Barry. I think that was something even I predicted well back in the beginning, uh, when we first met Savitar in, actually, I remember that I did because I remember, you know, the way Savitar had said a particular line. He's like, I am the future flash. You know, it was the way, the inflection and the way he said something. I was like, oh, I think that's Barry. Uh, and it turned out to be right, but I wasn't expecting the fact that it was a time remnant. Uh, so that was a little bit of a twist to me, and that was very clever in my mind. So uh, I'll give it a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that while it was predictable, there were some elements to it that I did not predict. Um, Suit-wise, uh, you're right on the money. 10 out of 10. The suit was amazing, especially after Barry phased into it and it turned red. Like, Oh, God, that looks that so cool. That was awesome. That was so cool. And the funny uh, thing is, I think both of us, when we first saw the Savitar suit, we were like, he looks like Megatron. And we he were does, like, what yeah. the fuck? And yeah. like, we, we were not happy about it. But like, when you saw it in motion more and more, and when you realized that's not CG at times, you're like, holy crap, they built that. And then you're like, okay, that thing's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but my, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a high hero, and I think I'm gonna give it a seven. Uh, I'm gonna give Savitar a seven because I, uh, and the only reason I think what, what might have hurt it a little bit and the possibility that could have gotten it a little bit higher is had this not been the third season with another speedster villain. Um, I think that was another thing that hurt it. So, um, you know, I, I think if, you know, it, we had skipped the season where season two wasn't a speedster villain and, you know, we went back to a speedster villain again. Uh, I, I think it would have got a little bit of a higher rank. It might have even gotten in the legend, but, um, I'll give it a seven. I'll give Savitar a seven as far as, uh, villain goes. Okay. Uh, now the last and final thing is we are going to rate this season as a whole. Uh, same ranking system, one through three being sidekick, four through seven being hero and eight through ten being legend. Uh, season three as a whole, incorporating characters, storylines, uh, big bad, everything. What do we give the season? Mm, all right. Uh, <laughs> my, do you want, do you want my score first? Yeah, you, you can go first. All right. I am going to give this season a nine. Um, I think, you know, season one is just tremendous. And I think 
season two was exceptional as well. Season three was really close to matching the caliber of, I think, what season one was. Uh, because I love we saw so much growth out of Barry this season. He went from a character that constantly blamed himself over and over and over about everything. And it took him till the end of the season to really get his head out of his ass. Like, kind of it does every season. But <laughs> yeah. this time, I think he actually learned something from it. Um, like, And I think it's going to stick. Uh, you know, the fact that he makes this really dumb mistake and creates Flashpoint and changes his world. And then you have this wonderful moment early on in episode two where we see him sitting with Jay Garrick in a diner uh, back when Jay's Earth <laughs> in Earth 3, uh, which was this great moment. Like, I-, I love that we got these great little glimpses of Jay throughout the season as this background mentor of it all. Um, but the fact that we really got to watch Barry seriously grow and, again, making some really dumb calls along the way, like, if I break up with Iris, well, she can't be my fiance. You know, these little things like that, like these stupid boneheaded moves. But, you know, uh, you know, the sad thing is uh, that even dumb little nitpick is set up because they needed to set up for duet. We saw the same thing in Supergirl with uh, Monel and Kara breaking up. It's all to have duet happen and pull them back together and make everything A-OK again. Um but ultimately, I think the little things that happened in this season, like the characters like Julian becoming a big part of the team, uh, really just falling in love with the character of HR, watching Cisco's transformation of going from this plucky, everything is always good type of character and watching him just kind of in this point of misery um, and coming out of that as a hero on the, uh, the opposite end of that. Uh, characters like Gypsy coming in, seeing, you know, Gorilla City, as we mentioned before. Uh, Wally West's coming, uh, you know, coming into the picture and becoming a hero and seeing him suit up, which was something so awesome. Seeing Jesse Quick suit up, uh, you know, the three speedsters taking down Savitar at the end, the death of the Black Flash that kind of happened really quickly, uh, the creation of Killer Frost. There's so much to unpack in this, ep- the, this season, and it was all done so incredibly well. Um, uh, we, you know did ding it for things like alchemy but it, it, that character and they definitely planned it we got julian out of that mix that's not a bad thing uh you know savitar coming around caused all these major changes and gave us a really interesting storyline it was something really really special this season and i loved when we got to spend time in the speed force and watch various mistakes play out in front of him and then jay make this massive sacrifice for him to say you know you're this amazing hero and then we end on this amazing cliffhanger where he says, guys, I have to do this. Like, I caused all this, and I'm going to own up to this shit. And we're not even mentioning Invasion, which this is where Invasion kicks off. Um, everything about this season was something truly remarkable. And let's not forget about what a great, amazing first two episodes this season had. It was almost as good as the two episodes that started Supergirl off had i think the second strongest start out of every season this season as a whole okay um i really don't know how to follow that <laughs> i'm not gonna lie um my ranking was probably gonna be about an eight i was giving it a legend I, you know and um it definitely was not a hero season there were a lot of strong moments but you pretty much covered a lot of the, the points i would have made um as far as what made the season great i really don't know how to follow it <laughs> so i'm not well, gonna I, try I, 
Well, I, I'm sorry that if I uh, took a little <laughs> window out of your No, no, point. it's it's perfectly fine. I mean, as long I mean, as the points were made, that's that's all that matters. I mean, like I said, I think it was just because I was so in love with this season. Um, I was so ready to talk about that, that it was there in my head, and it's been there in my head since I think the season wrapped up. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Uh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so, I, so shall we look to the future? Uh, sure. Let's look to 2024. No, we've already been to 2024. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we're going to be seeing, uh, not a speedster villain next season, which I think is great. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to what challenges that's going to bring to next season. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be, there's one or two things I think we're going to mention in the news as far as what we're going to see, uh, towards the beginning of the season. And, um, which I don't know if you want to bring it up now or if you want to wait until news and, and bring it up then. You know what? Actually, I think it's good to talk about it here. Okay. Uh, I think I think we can actually talk about some of that Flash news up front here because, uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense because we're talking about Flash tonight to just take all that stuff that would be in the news and discuss it here because it's all stuff that impacts next season. So. Yeah, uh, you know, and one of the key things that, you know, we were, we were just kind of alluding to is the fact that Tom Cavanaugh himself, uh, released pictures on his Facebook page. And these pictures are of something I thought we were told was not going to happen. Uh, but apparently we were wrong in that Wally will be donning the red suit at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And actually, like I said, it's not that we were wrong. It was. You know, Keenan Lonsdale came out and said, uh, no, no, I'm not going to be uh, becoming the Flash. Because he's a uh, liar. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we absolutely adore him. He, yes. he was one of the reasons why this season was so good. Um, but no, I, I really, I, I, you know, I think this was him trying to throw the scent off the trail, you know. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to see him donning the red suit, which was something we kind of predicted we were going to see happen and that he was going to, you know, the name of the show is The Flash. And with Barry not there, which we're kind of I'm kind of anticipating and at least hoping that we get a couple episodes of that. Um, You know, it, it'd be, it, it'll be great to see what Barry's up to while he's in the Speed Force. But I'd like to see an episode or two, if not three, of Barry not being part of the team. Well, I, I, here's a big question for you, because I know you love the Flash mythos now. Like, this show, when you started watching it, got you... Oh, very, I, I very, grew very to love the Flash, the Flash. yes. Well, do you think they're going to do something like, you know, DC Comics has, where there can be multiple people that are the Flash now? Like, we have very much existed in a world in the comic books for a very long time, where there's been multiple people that have been the Flash at the same time. Like Wally West and, you know, Barry Allen have both been the Flash. Jay Garrick is the Flash of his Earth. Do you think we might see both of these in the red suit? And as we brought up earlier, Barry coming back and donning the new suit uh, or or something, you know, more maybe akin to, um, you know, uh, like what we're seeing currently in the current timeline where we'll see maybe, uh, you know, Wally's going to change out his Kid Flash suit or a red version of it with the silver that we saw in the comics, uh, you know, where we might see like, you know, what the, you know, the current uh, ginger version version of Wally West is rocking uh, on the Titans team, maybe something along the, those lines while Barry's rocking the one that we see from 2024 to differentiate them a little bit. Uh, I don't think so. I think when Barry comes back, I think we're going to see Wally don the yellow suit again. Um and it's not because I don't think that Wally isn't a a good 
second flash for it. Um, but I think for the viewers, I think it might even get a little confusing. Uh, comic book readers, uh, we're used to shit like that. Um, you know, where there being multiple versions. But as far as the viewers go, I think they're going to avoid the confusion. And I think they're, once Barry returns, I'm hoping when he returns, he's going to be donning that new version of the suit with, you know, with the gold, uh, in, in lined in it. Um, but I think when that happens, I think Wally's going to step back. He's going to be like, no, you're the true flash. I was just filling your, sh- I, you know, I was just taking your place while you were gone. Um, and he's going to step back into the yellow suit and become Kid Flash again. Okay. Well, I mean, I just think it would be interesting. Maybe, like, uh, he won't be Kid Flash anymore. Maybe he'll go under a new name. Maybe we'll see him, co- like, go as, like, Inertia or, like, Impulse or something like that. Something a little bit different to kind of maybe, uh, you know, that he's not just the, the sidekick. Kind of think, like, you know, if Robin's, uh, you know, had to don the suit and become Batman, you know, if it was this was Dick Grayson, he's like, I'm not Robin anymore. I'm going to be something new. Yeah. So maybe maybe we'll see a little bit of an evolution of Wally after he spent time as the actual Flash. Now, I could also see a storyline where when Barry returns and wants to don the suit again and become the and return to being the Flash, there's a little bit of contention and Wally doesn't want to turn it over. Yeah. Um, um, in, in that case, we could see Wally, you know, not returning the suit, keeping the suit for himself. And that is what causes, uh, you know, the new suit to come into effect and in that, you know, Cisco has the secondary suit. It's got the gold into it. it. It is the updated suit. And there's a little bit of a competition for a while as to who is the true flash of the city. Yeah, I mean, I, I think regardless, I think you can get some really good stories out of. Uh, the two of them being there together, because I think Barry is going to view Wally as an equal. We even heard him say that at the end of season three was, uh, you know, the city needs a flash. And he looks at him and says, the city has a flash uh, at looking at, you know, Wally. So it makes you wonder where Barry's headspace is going to be um, if he wants to take that from from Wally or, at all. And he might want to try to be something different as well. So it it. it you know, I have no idea how they're going to take that, but I think we can get some really good stories out of it, regardless. Yeah, no, so. I, I I agree with that. One. I agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how do we think the villain's going to play out next season? Because I know we're getting what's the name of the villain? Uh, it's the thinker, the thinker, uh, which That's is it. somebody that was his. He was name dropped a shit ton this season. Uh, when they kept saying devote, 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 and I'm like, this can't be a coincidence, guys. Um. And if, you know, we can even bring it up here and I'll just read the news story. For those of you who do not know who Clifford DeVoe is, a.k.a. The Thinker, uh, this is what they're looking for as far as the actor. And it says a little bit of a breakdown of who he is. Male in his 40s or 50s, open ethnicity. After being struck with dark matter from the particle accelerator explosion, big shock, uh, Clifford DeVoe (laughs) became a metahuman with a mega mind. uh, A Stephen Hawking-esque genius who's devised an intricate plan to fix all that he deems wrong with humanity. The Thinker will embark upon a season-long battle with the Flash that pins the fastest man alive against the fastest mind alive. Well, uh, I, I and then we, we do know season regular right off the bat. So. Okay, I, and wasn't the casting already announced, or was I? Am I wrong about that? Uh, I do not believe that has happened yet, um, because I this is coming basically from the casting points, uh, which was just released a couple of days ago. Uh, this actually had two additional ones. Uh, that come into play. But I think, you know, traditionally the thinker is the person that kind of pulls together a lot of the rogues. So I'm wondering if the rogues are going to be a much bigger part of this season than they have been in the past, where there have more been parts of the one-offs. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see the thinker kind of make his debut, especially with one of the other news stories that hit, 
was there was a returning villain, like a throwaway villain for the most part from season one, which was Peekaboo. Uh, she was the, uh, the, the female villain in season one, early on in season one, that could look at an area and teleport. Um, so if you remember that episode, I know that's going back a couple of years, but, um, that was very much early on. I wouldn't be surprised because we know she's coming back. If we're going to see DeVoe maybe pull back all of the rogues that we've already seen in the past and maybe see them kind of filter in and back through the show uh, once again with uh, him as the head of their organization. I think the, uh, you know, um, you know, League of Doom pretty much uh, on how they or the Legion of Doom on, uh, is how they play out where he's the mastermind that's watching over it or, you know, the evil, you know, the evil justice society and all. So, yeah, I mean, we know that this, that the, the show has already begun filming. Uh, we do know that I think they're at least an episode or two already in the can that they've, they've begun filming. Um, and the cast, the thinker has not been cast yet. So, um, this is obviously a character that's not going to be revealed until a little bit later on into the season. So this could be one of those situations where we're going to see the rogues first and then find out later who the leader of the rogues is. I think that's a really high chance on how that's going to play off. Uh, wh- one of the things we can bring up here, too, is there's two other characters that also have casting calls. I'm so excited about well, one of let's, them. Let's get one of this. Let's get the smaller one out of the way, which I think this is a new character from what it sounds like, okay. which is somebody called the mechanic. Uh, and the casting call is calling for a female in her 30s and 40s, also diverse casting, highly intelligent engineer who designs and assembles plethora of devices uh, for the aligning Clifford DeVoe, DeVoe's right hand, she's the truest of true believers who will stop at nothing to implant his plan to fix all that's wrong with humanity, even if she loses who she is in the process. Major reoccurring guest star. So we know she's going to be coming in uh, quite frequently with uh, DeVoe as the main big bad. So I think we're going to see DeVoe probably might be in his masked form probably uh, early on at the end of uh, the first couple episodes. Okay. Uh, and then the big one, yes. uh, which was one I did not see coming. And I don't think Ben did either. I didn't see it coming, but I like the smile on my face when I saw it. I was like, okay, that's going to be pretty damn cool. Why don't you do the honors that I'll read, uh, what the casting call is? Uh, we are going to be seeing a, as a, um, a major reoccurring guest star, uh, with a series regular option for the season, Ralph Dibney, aka the elongated man. Uh, dude, think, um, uh, Reed Richards from Fantastic yes. Four, if you don't know and, who it is. Um, if you're not familiar with Ralph as well, uh, one of, uh, my favorite stories with him was, uh, was the book 52, which was, uh, an amazing follow-up to Infinite Crisis. And one of the things that made that so special was watching what Ralph was going through, because this is coming off of this giant comic series where we saw Sue Dimney, his wife, killed. Uh, and this was, you know, at the hands of, uh, you know, Dr. Light and all these things that happened in this really very traumatic way. And Ralph and Sue, who have been kind of like true loves through thick and thin, watching Ralph fall apart and kind of come back through the course of 52. Everybody always views that Ralph is the one of the smartest men in the DC universe. Uh, if they said there's the three smartest people in the DC universe, it would be Bruce Wayne, Lex Luthor and Ralph Dibney. So uh, we'll, I'm sure, definitely see his detective skills play out. But I'll read the little uh, the casting call. Male, mid to late uh, 30s, open ethnicity. Think Ryan Reynolds or a Chris Pratt type. Uh, Ralph has the ability to stretch his body to super lengths and sizes. However, while resculpting his body is easy to do, Dibney 
finds losing the old misguided sense of truth and slobbery, even after joining the team at Star Labs, is far more difficult of a task to accomplish. And that reads very weird. <laughs> so It does. Um, yeah, I've read that multiple times. I'm like, that. none of that makes sense. So that's not me, you know, having a stroke, guys. Just want to make sure you know. I don't smell burnt toast, but that is exactly how it's written. So, um, but yeah, this is something so awesome, though, and uh, I can't believe we're getting another character like this. In, I know in, uh, I, I, in the Flash. Yeah, so. it's it's going to be pretty pretty damn cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Seeing a lot of these things coming to light and actually seeing them on screen for the first but time. A very effects heavy character. Very very effects heavy character. So um, it, it's funny too because I've I've mentioned to these guys when I've been on stage with them and stuff like that having to especially like Robbie like having to pretend you know when it comes to flying off as Firestorm and things like that I would love to be on set to see whoever they cast uh, pretend to be the elongated man yeah I know <laughs> I would love I, I, to see it now when when they did this and make this decision do you think the people that are um you know that do the effects for the show hate the writers <laughs> <laughs> or the writers have a per- personal vendetta and i'm like and like what and it's like the cg guys in the background's like you guys didn't think we can do king shark what are you gonna do and they're like hey we're uh, making uh the elongated man of the season regular next season they're uh, like you fuckers i don't i don't think it, i don't think it's them torturing each other i i'd like to think that there's a bit of camaraderie between them i think so where, where think the writers go to the the, the visual guys uh, and be like know. you know we're thinking maybe elongated man and i i think do so. you guys think, think like, you can you do, it? do it yeah, yeah. And of course, I mean, and of course, the visual guys look at the writers and be like, "What the fuck do you think? Of course, we like, can do it." We made a giant talking gorilla and a giant <laughs> man shark, and everybody was like, "Holy crap! Of exactly. course, we can do this!" Exactly. So, absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I definitely think it's something. Uh, uh, but it also brings to mind something else that I cannot wait to see. Um, I want to see Diggle's reaction to the elongated man. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Anytime there's somebody over the top, that needs to happen. It does. I think it's a. It needs to be written anytime somebody majors in, and I really hope that we see Ralph early on, um, so he's there when we uh, hit that uh, that, that crossover marker, and then we hit that crossover. And you know what? The great thing is though uh, that we're going to be getting to sooner than we think is Superhero Fight Club Part Three. So yeah. uh, be ready. <laughs> I mean, still, I mean, still to this day, one of my favorite lines comes from Invasion, and it is when Supergirl flies up in the air. And, you know, does the S symbol on the ground and Diggle with his arms crossed just looks up. He's like, I'm convinced. Uh-huh. Like, I love his reactions to seeing new metahumans. So it would be uh, very interesting to see Diggle react to the elongated man. And I'm, and I'm curious if this is going to be something they're going to yet again. I mean, it is their fallback and it is their go to. Uh, is he somebody who was affected by? Um, you know, the particle accelerator, or is he a true metahuman in the sense that he had these powers beforehand? Um, you know, that's a big wait and see. I, I have a feeling that they're going to make him from Central City, and he's going to be, uh, you know, from the accelerator. I think that's going to be a high chance of that. So I think it would be an interesting, I mean, obviously with the the particle accelerator we've mentioned this before is that you can bring in a different villain every episode if you wanted to as long as you can come up with a creative story for it uh and you can use that particle accelerator as it but i mean as what we've seen with the flash right now is that every metahuman that has come to come to light uh whether they're good or bad has been due to the particle accelerator and i think it would be interesting um if at some point in the show they actually do expand on this and they do say like, hey, look, metahumans have existed before the particle accelerator. You there is another world out there. 
Yeah. Um, so I think it would be interesting if the elongated man actually had these powers before the particle accelerator. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think right now because of the way the Arrowverse is written, um, the fact that they treat it like it hasn't happened on their Earth yet. And this is what caused all of this. So, I mean, like we even saw that with Dinah Drake over on Arrow is she happened to be uh, in Central City at the time of the explosion, which is why she has her canary cry. You know, uh, we even saw that with Laurel. That's why she has hers from Earth, too. You know, all these little things. So I have a feeling they're going to keep it to that just because something else that's massive. I think you you know are expecting the the uh, the viewership to. That may not be as familiar as we kind of put it earlier. That's uh, one more thing for them to keep track of. So I think they may keep it simple and try to keep it to that. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that about does it for. Uh, well, actually, I have anyway. a question for you. Uh, okay, is, is there any anything you want to see specifically that's been set up in this season uh, or this past season uh, for season four payoff or characters that you would like to see evolve a little bit? Um, I want to see more vibe. Um, I'm really digging what they've been doing with Cisco and him becoming this transition into vibe. And I mean, he, in the first season, obviously he was very much a part of the team, but he was in the back seat. Uh, and we saw a little bit more in season two and especially now in this past season, season three, um, we've seen him come to the forefront and actually be on the front line with Barry. Um, and we've seen in certain episodes, as you mentioned before, the fight with Martian Manhunter and such, uh, in duet. Um, we've seen he knows what he's doing and especially now with Gypsy being a part of it and Gypsy having the same abilities and the two of them being connected she can really train him and she can hone those abilities even more within him I would really love to see in season 4 when Barry returns from the Speed Force uh, that we've seen Cisco has really come into his own and, and Vibe is very much not only a part of the forefront of this team but he's known in Central City for being a part of it I would love to come into season one, uh, season four, episode one, where we see some amazing, you know, uh, you know, Wally West flash and, uh, vibe team ups already happening. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a really awesome way to show that these guys are just as viable as Barry. I think, um, and I think that's very important is I think it's one of the things that the writers definitely need to establish. And I think that's one of the things they're going for with Barry leaving and going to, into um, the speed force and leaving the team on their own. It's great when you have a leading man, when you have somebody, you know, like Barry, who's the flash. But again, it's something that we've said before, and I know I've said it before. The, ta- the name of the show is The Flash. It's not Barry Allen, The Flash. It's The Flash. Anybody can don that mantle, and we're going to see that now with Wally taking up the mantle. But a strong foundation of this show is that you need that support system to be strong as well. And I think this is going to be a good opportunity. And I, I'm sorry if I was stepping on what you were getting to. Um this is going to be a strong, a good opportunity for the writers to show that this team is strong with and without Barry. Yeah, I know. I'm, I actually, you know, you did not step on that at all. Okay. Actually, what I was going to say was really is just, uh, you know, DC. One of the things that makes DC very special is their they have legacy characters, which is characters that it's not always been one person that has held a mantle. Look at Green Lantern. Look at Flash. Look at Robin. Uh, you know, there there's multiple people that have donned the same moniker, and I think that this is something that could be done very smartly. And I think it would be great to see them embrace that legacy and that part of DC history. Uh, so I would love to see them really embrace that. And that's why I would love to see either Wally become somebody else or maybe Barry become somebody else for a little while. Um, you know, I, I think that could be something really cool to see them saying, hey, 
you know, as you just put it, is uh, the Flash is the name of the show, just as you put it exactly. And it doesn't matter who who is the Scarlet Speedster at the time. There's been many in the history of DC Comics, and uh, that that's okay to do that. Fans may some fans may not like it, but I think those the, those big hardcore DC fans. Uh, will really be pleased if they do something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, now I think, well, what about you? I mean, is there, uh, you, we've talked a little bit about Vibe, and you asked me one question if, if there was anything I'd like to see, but other than, you know, Vibe and stuff, what about you? Is there anything you'd like to see uh, actually happen next season that maybe they've been leading to or that they, they could possibly do? I really hate to say it because I know some people are probably sick of his character, uh, I really want to see them find, them find a way to bring Reverse Flashback. Oh, me too. I love him. <laughs> you know I love him. I like uh, that he's um, one of my favorite characters they've brought in since season one. Well, I think he, because that character has so much story that still has to be told. We only saw his current timeline, but you know I think that a lot of that has to happen. But I think one of the other big things I would really kill to see this season is the Flash Museum. Uh, I would love to see them actually create the Flash Museum where we start seeing Wally or Barry. Uh, start taking those little trinkets from their their battles and actually putting them uh, in uh, in the museum and you know submitting them to the museum for things for the people to look at. Uh, that's a big part of that character, and I would really love to see that start to come into play a little bit. It's we saw Flash Day, you know, with the start of uh, season two, but I think uh, this this makes a nice nice big step, and I would love to see you know the Hall of Justice. Uh, maybe become the new, you know, base of operations this season. Maybe, you know, the Star Labs that we see now becomes the Flash Museum, uh, that we've been so used to because it was destroyed at the end of, of, uh, this past season. Yeah. Maybe they rebuild it into the Flash Museum and move to, uh, the Hall of Justice. That would be uh, something I would love to see play out. Yeah, that, that would be pretty cool. I mean, and we've, we've kind of, they kind of hinted at it a little bit with, you know, doing something different to Star Labs, but yeah, it would be kind of cool to see the Flash Museum play out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. In that case, I think that actually does wrap up our Flash annual. Um, obviously we'd like to know what, what some of you guys' favorites, episodes, moments, least favorite moments and things like that. So feel free to post on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime. Uh, and let us know, let us know what some of your favorite moments, characters and episodes were at the same time as, as, as well as least, you know, whatever. If you think we're full of shit, then tell us we're full of shit. We don't really care. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, we, we do care, but, um, you know, like the 13th doctor being a woman, we'll get over it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess let's talk news a little yeah, bit. Yeah. We've, so, we've already uh, covered a little bit of it, but uh, there's some other stuff. A, not a ton to unpack here. Um, you know, actually, I think some of the biggest stuff we've already discussed. Uh, but let's uh, talk uh, movie stuff first. We'll, we'll dive through that. A lot of this stuff is uh, some rumblings and rumors that are they're kicking around before next weekend's big event, which is San Diego Comic-Con, which everybody already is ready and waiting for. Uh, so uh, one of the big things that we've been hearing about more and more this week has been uh, apparently there's discussion and rumblings of two un, uh, untitled DC films that are slated for 2020. Uh, right now, we know one of them apparently is going to supposed to be premiering for February 14th, 2020, and the second one around June 5th, 2020. So Warner Brothers already has dates picked out specifically. Uh, a lot of people are wondering right now if maybe one of them has a tendency to be The Flash and the other being the Wonder Woman sequel. I know that's the big leading contenders right now because Flash obviously has shifted because of the trouble the productions run into. Uh, you know, um, 
right now, I think the other two films that we've been hearing that are supposed to hit in uh, that time frame, too, is the Green Lantern Corps movie uh, in 2020 and Cyborg. Uh, one of them is meant to be for April. The other one's supposed to be July. Now, this makes us wonder if this is a little too tightly close together, especially that June 5th date and July 24th date that we're seeing here. But uh, we have been hearing for some time now that Warner Brothers is talking about four films per year is what they're gunning to do. So it's a big wait and see. Uh, you know, some of the other big possible contenders in this mix right now are the Batman, uh, Suicide Squad 2, Shazam, Black Adam, uh, Gotham City Sirens, which doesn't have a time timestamp yet, uh, and uh, Nightwing, Batgirl, uh, Justice League Dark, if that's still even in production, Justice League 2 or Man of Steel 2. So uh, there's a lot here that could potentially be filling into those slots. Those are only the films that we know about. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear rumblings or get some announcements of something that's not even part of this list yet uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. So, yeah, uh, jumping into some other in, you know exciting news for Wonder Woman, but um, Wonder Woman's about to break yet again another record. Uh, Wonder Woman is now poised to become the third biggest Warner Brothers release of all time. Uh, the funny thing is it would be uh, now matching up uh, next to two other DC films, uh, and both of them being directed by Christopher Nolan, the first being The Dark Knight, the second being The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, it sounds like it's getting closer and closer and closer to take over the final Harry Potter film, which I don't think a lot of people expected. But, uh, you know, props to Patty Jenkins. Um, and it sounds like this is going to have a high chance of actually hitting that. So uh, congratulations again. I, it, the, the movie still is so well warranted of that. And it's amazing to think that Warner Brothers' top three spots are uh, all DC films. So good on them. Uh, jumping into a little bit of the Batman talk, we're hearing a little bit more about Matt Reeves, especially with uh, Planet of the Apes, uh, now into the mix out there. Uh, but this is as far as the film script has been concerned. And uh, what's kind of interesting is it sounds like Jeff Johns and Ben Affleck's script is being thrown out. Um now, the reason for this is specifically because, obviously, Matt Reeves taking over directorial de- you know, de- debut. He has already talked. He wants a kind of noir-driven detective story. I'm sure Jeff Johns is going to definitely play a hand in this. But that now makes us all question what is going on with Joe Maganello and his playing of Deathstroke. Is he actually going to be the villain in this mix? I know we talked about this a little while back. If, does this mean he's in or out? Um, right now, it sounds like if I had to put money on this... Uh, Deathstroke may not be the one in the mix here, but I I would really hate to see him thrown out of this casting. I'm sure, especially because we saw some test shots of uh, some costuming. Maybe we'll see him shift into something like Suicide Squad 2, Gotham City Sirens is a possibility. Um, But I don't think Joe Maganello is going anywhere from the DC world. I think we're going to still see him as Slade Wilson. The question is, is it going to be in the Batman? Yeah. Um, jumping into a little bit more here, speaking of Suicide Squad's sequel, it sounds like Warner Brothers is hoping the film is going to start shooting this coming March. Uh, and this is, again, because I am just amazing at pronouncing uh, people's names. Uh, <laughs> Jamey Colette Seurat, uh, which I believe I did an okay job on that, who is the director of The Shallows. Uh, a really great horror film, by the way, if you have not seen it. Uh, a very cheesy fun over the top silly shark movie but really fun really really enjoyable so i would love to see uh that be the case for this so uh he is right now the front runner for the film so it is a big wait and see um oh actually you know what i 
Yep. No, that is that is indeed. I uh, had two news stories open up with that. So uh, I was like, wait a second, did I just completely botch that? But no, that is indeed the case. So um, and the next big thing is we're going to get into in the DCEU is a little bit of rumblings about some potential casting before we move on into some TV things here. But the first being that Tyrese Gibson, as everybody knows from uh, the Fast and Furious franchise, apparently may have already become in talks with uh, Warner Brothers for the role of Jon Stewart for the Green Lantern Corps. Now, the big question everybody's still wondering, because we have been hearing this whole lethal weapon in space rumblings for some time, if uh, Hal Jordan is in this mix as well. But uh, it does sound like Tyrese Gibson is indeed the front runner at this point in time. For the role of John Stewart, which I do not think is a bad call. At I don't. I don't either. I think that's kind of. I think that's kind of good casting, actually. Yeah, I, I'm actually all for it. The other big one to talk about right now is uh, somebody that I think we talked about a little while back, which was uh, an actress from the TV show Vikings, which is Catherine Winnick, uh, making some teases that there is a DC related announcement coming at San Diego Comic Con. And uh, there has been a lot of speculation for quite some time that she's been vying for the role of Black Canary uh, for the big screen. So uh, and it sounds like there's a high chance that this is indeed going to get announced. I think if we're going to see this character, it's a high chance we could see her maybe make her debut in Gotham City Sirens first. I think this might be a good place for her to show off. Um, You know, it's possible we could see her maybe make a cameo in Justice League. Um, especially if she's been teasing something for a while. Maybe she was there for the reshoots, which are still filming right now. So there's a high chance we could get a tease of her. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Lantern and her maybe make a cameo in Justice League for the reshoots that Josh is currently doing. Really, really big. I think that's, I think, a really high expectation of maybe such something so late in the game. But I also, at the same time, would not be surprised if they make rumblings that these characters are going to make quick appearances. So... Um, if I have to put money on it, I don't know, Ben, what do you think? Do you think we're going to see, see these two maybe make an appearance in Justice League? Um, Canary, I would say no. I don't know if we're going to see Canary or not, but I would love it if we got at least a little bit of a glimpse, if not a mention of Green Lantern in Justice League. Maybe something along the lines of at the end of like Justice League where we see, you know, Abin Sur's ship crash, the ring fly off and completely play with our heads instead of showing us, you know, how Jordan the ring goes to, to John Stewart, which would be kind of cool. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I like again, uh Black Canary, I don't know if there's if there's going to be a place for her in Justice League. Um I think um Gotham City I mean, Sirens is is a good place to bring yeah. her into as you had mentioned, but I think Hal Jordan um or, you know, whatever version of the Green Lantern they bring into it, um I'd I'd love to get at least a mention that he exists in Justice League. It's kind of like that Stephen Strange moment that we get in, uh, what was it, Cap 2, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, you know, I think, I think Gotham City Sirens, though, is the right place there for that, for that character. I would love to see her and, you know, Batgirl together, um, kind of give that little, you know, nod to the Birds of Prey, uh, and before we see them kind of spit out into their own thing. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, so speaking of a black canary, I, I would, it would be remiss to not bring this up, but, uh, the two black canary centric stories that hit talking about Arrow this week, uh, one of them is, uh, Dinah Drake suited up in her new black canary costume, which you can check out over at facebook.com slash DC primetime. Uh, we did, sh- uh, you know, put that, uh, shot up of Juliana Harkov, uh, or Harkavy, uh, a couple days ago, so you can get a good shot of that. 
But in addition to it, we did see, um, you know, the uh, writer, Wendy Merkel, who's also one of the producers on Arrow, talk a little bit about Black Siren's character. And she did say this, and this is uh, a direct quote, is, I don't know uh, if there's any question about whether or not the idea of a redemption angle will come up about Black Siren. It It's not a question. It has to. Her father's there. Oliver's there. Everyone is going to be asking whether or not it's possible to find a little piece of Laurel. Laurel Lance they all knew and loved in there somewhere. So it sounds like this is going to be a big factor for uh, Black Siren for this coming season, as we even discussed last year. Uh, and one of the things I was already planning on discussing in two weeks, that this is definitely going to be a part of this. So, um, And the last big story for the week is we're going to talk a little bit about Titans. It's very light on discussion of it, but we do know the episode count for the Titans live action show that is going to be premiering on the streaming app that DC is going to be put, having uh, later on sometime this year. Uh, or no, I think we said 2018. Um, and, and we do know the show is going to consist of 13 episodes. We don't know if these are 22 minute episodes or the traditional 44 minute. So it's a big wait and see on that one. But uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about that at uh, San Diego Comic Con. And that is it for the news for this week. All righty then. Um, I think that about does it then for uh, for this annual. Unless, um, I mean, we have some recommendations we're going to make and we're going to share in the same recommendation. And it has nothing to do with DC Comics, uh, as we have made recommendations outside of that before as well. So it's not really a huge shock or a big deal that we're going to go outside of the, the realm of DC for a recommendation. Do we want to just get that out of the way now? Yeah, let's, let's just, let's just get this done and, uh, say goodbye and then let's get out of here. Cause, uh, my recommendation is actually our show is currently keeping me from getting, <laughs> my recommendation. I'll let you, I'll let you say it then. Cause I know it's what you wanted to recommend. And, um, I'm right there with you. Cause I watched it last night and, uh, I'm very excited. Yeah, uh, my recommendation is if you're not watching it, what is wrong with you? Game of Thrones is back, and uh, I just want to get this episode wrapped up because I was starting to watch the episode, and Ben was like, I'll be on in 10 minutes, and I'm like, damn it! <laughs> so, um, Sorry. I know we, I'm doing this for these guys, but I'm sure my wife is sitting in the other room like, I hate them so much right now because <laughs> uh, we were about already 20 minutes into the episode. So, Well, you got past one of the really good parts that Oh, God, that opening. Holy shit. That opening <laughs> so, was amazing. But yeah, uh, that is my recommendation of this week is uh, if you forgot, and I don't know how you could in this day and age, uh, yeah, Game of Thrones is back. Yep, and I'm sharing right along with that recommendation because I was super excited. Funny story, I was actually over at um No at funny stories. Uh, Your yours is that let's say our good <laughs> No, no, no. No, it's 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 <laughs> real quick, I promise it'll be really quick. I was actually over at Brianna's house last night, uh hanging out with her. And usually anytime I go over there, I'm expected to stay over there till like eleven, twelve o'clock, and then that's when I leave and I go home, I go to bed, I go to work. And I knew Game of Thrones was on last night, and I'm like, I love her, but I kinda wanna watch Game of Thrones because her they haven't watched it yet. She hasn't even started it yet. Um, cause they don't have the time to invest into it, uh, as of yet. So last night when I was over there around like nine o'clock, nine thirty, she's like, oh, I'm getting tired. She's like, I think I'm going to go to bed. Are you mad? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I get to go home and watch Game of Thrones now. So that was my funny story. Anyway. <laughs> okay. It was funny to me. Um, all I right. Laughed. I chuckled. Cheap plugs. Uh, and then we'll get <laughs> out of here so you can get back to watching Game of Thrones and I can get back to actually eating cause I haven't done that yet. Um, 
and playing with my new phone. Uh, you can check out, obviously, all of this content that we share on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, and you can check out my other podcast, the Showcast Spotlight, as well as other podcasts that are part of the Next Level Podcast Network at nextlevelradioonline.com and on Facebook, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. And as for me, one of those shows that you can also find me on that's part of the Next Level Network is the Captain Crew Cast of Pods, which is the monthly geek culture show. Uh, we are probably getting ready to start figuring out what the episode is going to be, which we're going to have to do soon because the month is over in two weeks. Uh, but I have a pretty good idea of what we're doing this month, and uh, we just have to get ready to start casting it. And we will probably be uh, recording that in the last uh, last weekend or the last week of the month which will be up really quickly thereafter. So usually that means uh, the first day or two of the next month uh, when it posts because uh, I like to procrastinate. So, uh, <laughs> but as always, though, too, uh, normally we would say this is where you go check out George Shaw's tunes, but uh, this music is coming from, I think it's N10s 117, if memory serves correctly. Yeah, I, I, think, right? I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Um, but, uh, like I said, make sure you check out his tunes. We'll probably put up another link for you guys to make sure you check it out. He's got so many amazing covers. I love when we get around to this time of the year because I love hearing those, that music. And, uh, as a reminder too, make sure you head over to boardgamebento.com and, uh, use that offer code that we mentioned in that ad at the beginning of the episode, which is next level, all one word. And I realized actually when I listened to last week's episode, when I recorded that ad, I forgot to remind you, you were actually saving 10 bucks. I just say save a couple, uh, save a few dollars. So, but it's ten dollars off. So, just uh, make sure you do that. That way, we can continue to get some cool freebies from them that we can store up, so we can say, "Hey, everybody, here's free things that we can give away." Because right now we've got like two things, and we want to be able to give away a whole bunch more than that. So, yeah, I mean, we've got some other companies we're going to be uh, hopefully working with uh, in the future as well. Uh, one of them I'm still waiting to hear back from, but uh, yeah, we got some cool stuff in the works. Mm -hmm. So, uh, all right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, as always, we thank you for being a part of the community. Thank you for posting, commenting, messaging us, everything that you do online. Thank you for listening. We encourage you to share even more, uh, so that we get a bigger audience. The more, the bigger our audience, the more we can do for you guys and with you guys. Uh, but with that being said, until next week. Oh, what are we doing next week? Um, um is San, Di your... San Diego Comic Con. San Diego Comic Con. That's right. I think the San Diego Comic Con is next week. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the stuff that comes out of San Diego. So you'll see a lot of it on the Facebook page, I'm sure. But we're going to go over everything. Um, that's DC related. That's, Bear in mind. That's DC no, related. DC yeah. movie or TV related. <laughs> yeah. We have to specify. Yeah. So. So. Uh, but until then, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.